Welcome to a football show, Monday edition, bye week edition, six weeks into the season edition. My name is Braden Gall. That is Zach Lyons. We, of course, are brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group here on the 440 Sports Network. And we have a whole lot to discuss. If you would like to get into the comments, please, on YouTube, Facebook, whatever, jump in there. We will take your questions. We obviously will spend a lot of today's show discussing the future of the quarterback position for the Tennessee Titans. We'll also get into Jeffrey Simmons and who the hell he's talking about, how much and when does all of this end up at the feet of Mike Vrabel, uh, the potential options in the offseason. There's a whole lot of stuff to get to. The offensive line, NPF, Kyle Phillips, special teams, uh, scripted drives, Tim Kelly. Zach, I think I got it all in there. I, and basically everything's on the table today. Uh, the Titans are 2-4 and four after a putrid showing against the Ravens in London on Sunday morning. Uh, and, uh, how are you, man? Good to see you, bud. Doing pretty good. Uh, feeling good. I got a lot to talk about this week. There's, there's a lot of, uh, information and misinformation and all kinds of, uh, uh, prevailing opinions and thoughts about what the Titans should or shouldn't do. So it'll be, it'll be a good, um, a good day today. I feel like it's going to be a good day today. I think it's gonna be a good show. If you're a Titans fan, I don't know if today's a good day. Uh, but there are there are paths, right? Choose your own adventure here, potentially for the Titans, in particular at the quarterback position, which will be the main topic on the show today. What do the Tennessee Titans do with Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis, Will Levis, and what does it mean for this team moving forward? Joshua Medina already, 103 p.m. at time of taping. Titans should sell. We'll exactly. get to that. Hey, should have we'll get to that. Like we've said numerous times on the show, should have sold in the offseason. We have, we have, uh, sinkers beverages. Of course I got the shirt on here today. Uh, they were the, uh, beverage supplier for my fall break trip. I appreciate Stony Keeley, by the way, and you guys, uh, hanging out on Thursday and doing, uh, doing the show. Uh, you guys did a great job. Always entertaining when the two of you get together. Sobros network, make sure you check that out. Of course. Uh, and, uh, sinkers was our supplier as we went up to Knoxville, took the kids. That's why my voice is still a little shot all to hell. Uh, Neil stadium was crazy. My seven and five-year-old daughters are now indoctrinated into, uh, Big Orange Nation. Uh, we'll we'll see if that's a good decision for their lives or not. I don't know, uh, but it was a whole. What a, what a weird game that was. I mean, the first time that I think that he's ever won a game when the offense hasn't scored thirty points and crazy. Uh, that includes UCF too, and and it was a defensive slugfest, and they came out on top. Uh, yeah, Titans have been playing lots of rock fights. The Vols played one over yeah. the weekend. What's funny is my analysis is so different. Uh, again, Sinker's Beverages, Kingston Group, we love you guys. All of the whiskey and the vodka and the wine that the wives were drinking and all that stuff throughout the course of the entire week at the cabin up there in the mountains, uh, all of that brought to you, of course, by Sinker's Beverages. I said, hey, I walked into Sinker's. I said, hey, the wives would like a couple of light reds. I don't know what that means. Can you pick them out? My guy, Grant, goes in there. He picks about four of them out, gives us a great selection. I know exactly what brown water I want. I know what vodka I want. I know my buddy wants gin. So we, we, we wrapped it all up, put it in a box, hit the road, had a great weekend. And again, uh, kids saw something that, that really was, this is all that matters to me. I have two, I have such different analysis of the game. Like as a father who was taking his daughters to the first game ever at Neyland stadium could not be happier. They saw a W which is maybe fool's gold as a Tennessee fan. Uh, they saw a win. But like they saw a huge play in the third quarter where the place went nuts. Then it was like the defense was loud on every possession from there on out. Like they kind of got everything they needed to understand what it's like to be a great football fan, college or pro. They got everything they needed. That's my analysis as a father and an alumni. My analysis as a as a college football expert is 
Tennessee's got some fucking issues on offense. Uh, their quarterback it all starts is not, with the quarterback, and the quarterback is not very good. Uh, and they, that that goes for both teams. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I agree. Although that was their ba- that's Texas A&M's backup. To be to be fair, are oh, you talking no, about Titans? Both Tennessee teams. So if I cough, if I hack, if I point to Zach in the middle of a sentence, and the voice is starting to go, I apologize. There it is. See, I'm already I'm already cracking there. Um, but Sinker's Beverages was our great supplier there, of course, of all of our booze for the weekend. It was great. Make sure you go check them out. Na- Nashville scene, best of 2022 liquor store. And of course, their sister store, Bluegrass Beverages up in Hendersonville. Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Uh, we're going to have to spend some time building the future of this organization, building the roster, building the strategy, building the roadmap. Uh, there's a lot of things that need building, need working on, need construction uh, for the Tennessee Titans. So we're going to spend a lot of time on the quarterback position today. Um, but I thought we would start with Jeffrey Simmons comments and I'm paraphrasing here. Well, that's a nice big font there. I like that. Um, I'm paraphrasing here, but at the end you could see, hear the frustration in Jeffrey Simmons voice where he basically said, look, we got to figure out who wants to be here after the game and going into bye week with your highest paid best football player. Essentially, that's a pretty bold statement after a putrid performance against the Raiders. it's a bold statement for me in a different way, Braden. And I wrote about this on stackingtheinbox.com and I and it was kind of towards the end um when you know I came across this comment or whatever. And I said if Simmons can see that there are players on the field that don't want to be here, why is Vrabel putting them out there? Why is he mm. not seeing that? Because at this point I think even if they are worse players that you're plugging in to replace these players, it seems like it may be better for morale at this point to get these players off the field. And I, I just feel like right now, the, the question was posed by Jimmy today, and I, and, I, and I don't disagree with his overall premise, but Jimmy Morris of Music City Miracles, but his overall premise was, can a leader of men... Can you be considered a leader of men with the demeanor you show on the sideline? Okay, I, I, you can, right? You can show frustration as a leader. You can, you can be displeased with the people around you. But this kind of has been tying into the whole theme of this, the dating back to the losing streak last year, to the, the the games that were lost this year, and how they've lost them, and how they've looked in their performance. And listen, for the, I would say about fifty percent of the defense showed up. And I'd say about 70% of the defense showed up in the red zone. So I think they did an overall good job compared to previous losses. But this is all kind of just continues to snowball and snowball. And the more the more that Mike Vrabel continues to ignore what Jeffrey Simmons has been saying for a couple of weeks now. Remember, he said, we got to play better. You could coach better, play better. If you don't, it doesn't mean shit if you don't play better. And now he's saying that people don't even want to be out there. That's all snowballing. And it seems like Mike Vrabel's got to start taking back control for in this locker room. And just and and maybe he will. Maybe that is the plan, right? We got a whole bye week ahead of us to figure out what the Titans are thinking about this team. But at this point, that's been the biggest disappointing appointment is that. They, there are players that are getting considerable playing time that have had their feelings hurt or don't care about where this team is at, and they're done, and they're continuing yeah. to get considerable playing time. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to tie a few different things together because you kind of inspired something in me here. Uh, A being asked, instead of firing Vrabel, 
Why not just trade him to Boston? We'll, we'll get to the Vrabel aspect of all of this at the end of the I think I think everything needs to build towards like, when is Vrabel going to be held responsible for some of this stuff? And it's sort of throughout the entire process. But when I mean that, it's like the firing of an actual move. And I, I think we're a ways away, but we'll get to that in a second. So remember the comments, right? We're at a crossroads from Vrabel last year, right? He made those. Well, I, I said, I said this week, I ended the thing. Seems like this team is at another crossroads again. Time to make a deal with I, the devil. I, like <laughs> how many crossroads do you get? Like, I don't, like, I thought there was just the one. Like, I didn't they think you one had. And then there's another crossroad. It's I, like every little decision they make. I, do you, you, do you, you probably haven't watched Loki yet, but it, I, I'm sure you're season pretty two, familiar. Season two. Well, do you, have you watched season one? I watched season one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. The so time, like the time, the police, timelines. Yeah. yeah. They are just a bunch of fucking branches just flooding the timeline because every yeah, time yeah. they make a decision, here's another timeline every, and then they go and make another decision, another timeline. They are, they are, they, they got to uh, eliminate some timelines from this. Uh, so, so number one is he makes these crossroads comments last year. He also makes the eight to four comments, right? Uh, you met, you already alluded to Simmons talking about who the coach better play better. Doesn't really resonate with some folks anymore. We, we just have to fix the problems. And now you've got Simmons saying, you know, we, we got people that don't want to be, be here that are here. And while I think, um, you know, pretty boy Lipschitz says, I believe he was referring to Fulton. Fulton's father has been on social media saying Christian needs a change of scenery. I think there's but more than that. There's that's play the yours. That's, that's the, the question. That's the question is who's who do we think is in that group? And again, it doesn't really matter what you and I think about guessing here or there. The problem is that there are people on the list in the first place. And and I, honestly, that is a I, I don't think you can take too much from Vrabel's facial expressions on the sideline. We talked about it last week. It was so weird to see how apathetic he looked as they were rushing at the end of the game last year, last week against the Colts. It was just as bad this week. And it doesn't mean that he's not engaged or interested, but it looks fucking weird. It looks like a different Mike Vrabel. He looks exhausted. He looks like a guy who is tired of dealing with the same shit over and over again. Some of that's on him, mm -hmm. but some of it is on, I, I, this is the thing. Like, is it on the leaders of the team? Is it on the players? Is it on Rand Carthon? Is it on John Robinson? Is it on him? The answer is probably yes. I don't think it's on it? Rand Carthon at all. I, I can't get behind this idea that Rand Carthon's at fault for anything other than maybe overvaluing Andre Dillard, but it was a bad offensive tackle mark. And what's he supposed to do? Just not sign anybody. You get what I'm saying? Like, well, I've got a, I've got an argument about Carthon and I'll make it, that in a second, but I just it, want, it, my thing is, is that I look at the people that are making plays right now for this offense and they're either Carthon draft picks or Carthon free agents or NWI. Like, I mean, they're, they're the guys that he has brought in that are making plays. That's my guy. And that includes Peter Skronsky. Uh, That includes um, Chris Hubbard, who he brought in. I mean, this includes offensive linemen that he's brought in. Um, not everything was a hit rate, but Aziz Alshair had a fantastic game, I thought, yesterday. I mean, he ended up with 15 freaking tackles. He had two pressures. Uh, he had a re he was really good in coverage. He was everywhere. And I, so I don't think Aziz Alshair is that guy. Uh, I don't think Jack Gibby's that guy that doesn't want to be here because, I mean, he should be thankful that he's here. Right. I don't think it's Autry. I don't think it's Simmons. I think Tart is probably part of this issue somewhere where I would love to have some clarity over what is really going on with Tier Tart. If they're just holding Tier Tart back because he's been a little sourpuss, I, I don't know if that's best for the team. 
unless he's really affecting the morale, but I don't know if he's that guy. It feels like this is that's more team driven than player driven as far as not playing the game. I would say Amani Hooker and Kevin Byard are some pretty big suspects in addition to Christian Fulton. So uh, Ar- Kevin Ar- Byard- Argent, Argent yeah, said, ahead. I want to give it right back to you here, but Ar- Argent yeah. says it's got to be the D line. The only name you kind of mentioned there in that group was TR Tart. Simmons would know that group better than everybody else. So do you think he's more comfortable calling out his own guys in some way, or is he calling out the entire team? Is he calling out the offense? Is he calling out the secondary? I mean, like, let's be honest about some of those plays. Like they, they gave up massive X plays that were like four yard throws. On the mm-hmm. in the the first th- like they did a good job that, in the that red first zone on- one on the the wide receiver screen in Nelson Aguilar was just a perfectly executed wide receiver screen. I don't fault anybody for that. That was just perfectly executed blocking at the catch point where he caught it, and Sean Murphy Bunting got the shoe straps. I don't think Arden Key's one of those guys. I don't think Sean. Mur- I don't think any of the new guys are those guys because I I think he's he's going to be more comfortable. Sure, maybe calling the D-line, but then you're just calling out Kyle Pecco and Jaleel Johnson right now, and maybe Tier Tarp. I mean, those guys yeah. aren't good, so what are you calling them out for? Well, I, th- I, I think it's Kevin Byer and Amani Hooker, who were absolutely fucking dreadful yesterday, and Kevin Byard has not lived up to his contract, and I think a part of that is probably because of age, but if he doesn't want to be here, which was alluded to all offseason, right? Yeah, that yep. There was... That cloud hung over Kevin Byard all offseason, and then he was asked to take a pay cut. He he seated that offer on the table. He took the pay cut. Now he's not guaranteed this $4 million. I don't think he's going to be here on this team next year, whether that's a trade this year or or just right. not being yeah. picked up. But he hasn't earned it. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Kevin Byard's been trash. Tra- Traylon Burks, I mean, my fantasy team liked his like 10 tackles yesterday, but all of yeah. them were like 12 yards downfield. Um, Traylon Burks is, is one that is brought up in the comments there. I think Bayard and Hooker, I, I, you know, Hooker had some games where he's played really, really well. So it's hard. I don't, I don't know. That one's tough, but I, I, I here's, here's what I would say. I think it's going to be very hard for us to guess. I think Fulton is an easy guess because of how, like, it's also impossible. It's not just Fulton. Like, right, exactly. Yes, Fulton exactly. is in there and we've said that it's just, but, just not Fulton. Not but what just. doesn't make sense to me logically about Fulton or guys on their first deal, like Traylon Burks is that you are competing for your financial future literally every moment. And for you to not want, quote-unquote, want to be there while while fighting for your financial future. Again, we're talking about the differences between like $3 million and $30 million. You'd think that'd be a pretty big motivator for some of these, quote-unquote, guys who don't want to be there. Now, if there's some veterans who have made a bunch of money already, I don't know, playing safety, who have gotten their big deal, is it easier to to maybe n- not be the same guy you were when you were trying to earn that deal? I would say that's human nature. I would also say that Jeffrey Simmons, of all the humans, I actually think Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill are the other two. But Jeffrey Simmons, to me, because of his contract status and his age, has earned the right to say the things and be the guy who says the thing out loud. Yeah, and I I, I do think that is good. Uh, it's bad for the team because the team sucks. Play, players but, only meeting is is coming. I'm just telling you, it's just it just I've I've felt that since last week. The players only meetings coming down the the pipe. You know they don't they don't have a long time to figure this out because I mean they have 13 days, which should be enough to figure it out. But I look at 
I don't know if I believe that Tart has a severe enough injury that they are laying out because he seems to be taking shots on Twitter or on X uh, on this whole situation. And he's been kind of subtweeting or sub Xing, however you want to say it, to the whole team and the and the, the t- talkers. And if you listen to Tyrell Williams talk, uh, I think it was the Friday before the Colts game, mm-hmm. he kind of like let something slip and then he tried to backtrack it. Then he tried to cover it up. It's like when you say something and you realize that you shouldn't have said it that way and you're trying to cover it up and you make things worse. Yep. Now, listen, he may have had a toe issue. I, I don't know. And maybe I've missed because I see that pretty boy Lipshit says that he has a turf toe. I haven't seen it said anywhere that is turf toe, but there is a good chance I missed it. I mean, I was gone for all of last weekend leading in the Colts game. I didn't so, even have cell service for like four days, so yeah, don't blame so there's, me. There's a good chance I've missed someone say, clearly saying and defining that he has turf toe. Uh, but I also know I also know that you know people tend to get things wrong and just assume, oh well, it's a toe injury, must be said injury. Like if it's an arm injury, it must be this, it must be that. I mean, I haven't seen anybody say turf toe definitively, right? But I could have missed it. But the way that the the coach uh, Ty kind of made it sound was like. It, it just seemed like something is something is amiss when you take in what Ty said, what Vrabel's kind of said, what Jeffrey Simmons has alluded to, um, what also he's been to what Tier Tart's been tweeting and Xing out on social media. To me, there's just like there's just too much there just to say he's only injured and that's the only reason he's playing. There is something amiss where there's yeah. smoke, there's fire. Well, and and I so I guess I guess now I can bring it into it but it's not it's not like it's a working theory about Rand Carthon but it's but he's just a piece of the the puzzle like my real point that I would like my personal stance is that it's everybody it, like it, it the, this dis this disconnection the crossroads taking the wrong path on the crossroads the guys who are eight to four like it's not every player that's that's not giving it their all but like why is this happening well it falls on Vrabel it falls on the leaders of the team. It falls on the veterans. It falls on the rookies. It falls on the GM. It falls on the special teams coach, for fuck's sake. It falls on Kyle Phillips. Like, it falls on every Everybody is guilty. No, nobody is in, what, nobody's innocent in this shit. And my issue with Rand, and I think I've, talk, talk, I've, I've alluded to this on the show before, is that I think it is okay to ask questions about how collaborative things really are in that building. I, think yeah, I do okay. agree with this. I do. I do agree with that. I, I think it is fair to ask the questions about how much everybody really actually is working together. And I don't I don't think anyone else has asked that question in the media. And I don't think any shows are talking about it. I alluded to it at the beginning of the season. I, I have heard things offhand anecdotally that I can't report, but that I'm just curious. I don't know the answers to those questions. So I'm not saying I'm not holding something back from you guys. I just that I think it's okay to ask that question. And who does actually like it? We assume Vrabel has final say on everything. I think that's the right assumption. But I think the questions about how it's all working together because they preached collaboration all offseason long. This is the reason he was hired was collaboration. And so I I want to know. How collaborative are things behind closed doors? Or are they the are they partners or is he a puppet? It's kind of what you're asking, right? I or mean, like, how just how much do they work together? Like, do, are they know. having this? Are they having enough meat? Like, 
I, this this sounds yeah. stupid, but like, are they having enough meetings? Are they working together on this? Are they working together on that? Are they working together like how? And it's not just Rand; it's Rand's department and Vrabel's department. It's the two departments working together. It's not the one guy, but yeah. like, it's it's the whole thing. It's the whole fucking I, shebang. I, if I were to guess, I would I would say that Vrabel seems like a guy that when things aren't going well he may not be open to a lot of conversations or opinions. Now, that is my, from the outside looking in, I think that's not just Rand Carthon. I think that goes down to the to the staff, he himself. But I feel like he may be, because you say he looks exhausted, and maybe there is some contention there that, like, he just can't, he doesn't know what to do and he has all this power and he doesn't know what to do with it. And maybe he's not, he's kind of like, he comes into the office, shuts his door, needs like two hours, which is two hours away from being able to talk to anybody in the department. But I feel like the staff underlings are talking to each other, right? Like I, I feel like Rand I Carson think- is out there. I just don't think that Vrabel's being as receptive as he needs to be. That's my perception. Uh, how can I say this? I think you're barking up the wrong tree on this one. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you. I think it is fair to ask that question of now that you have all this power, are you still, Mike Vrabel, now that you still have all this power, are you still as inclusive in the process, in the teaching process, in the coaching process, in the scheme process? Are you still doing all the same things you always did? I think that's totally fair to ask. I think it is also fair and important to ask that if the general manager and his entire department, the analytics department, the scouting department, everything, if there were if they were brought in to modernize and collaborate, are they doing that enough? And again, what does that look like to be correct? I'm not sure. I'm not going to sit here and say I know the answers to this. But like I want to know I, I think it's it takes two to tango. It like it's like my daughters when they're fighting. One might be the instigator, but like the other one's fighting too. It takes two of you guys. Communication, it's about two, two, it's two sides that have to find a way to work together. And so do you think when you say that, do you think that it is Rand's not Rand's been is not fighting enough to get into Mike Vrabel's office and he's just letting Mike Vrabel shut him out? Or I don't know. Or do you think that it's Mike Vrabel that they're just like this marriage was never going to work to begin with because there is no way. I I think, I think you can work collaboratively, but you have to have clear designation of power for the general manager and for the head coach, a head coach, a general manager can work, can have power over certain things, but work collaboratively. Right. Like, so let me, let me, I'm going to try to use like a real college brain analogy here, college sports brain analogy here, because, uh, John Calipari, the basketball coach at Kentucky, and Mitch Barnhart, the athletic director at Kentucky, do not speak. They don't speak. Can Kentucky basketball compete for championships, be one of the best programs in all of college basketball without the two of them speaking? Sure. Sure. Mitch Barnhart can do his job and be very productive. John Calipari can do his job, although I don't think he's very good, and and be productive. Like, you can do your jobs, to your point. Delegation is clear who's in charge of what, what falls under what category. It's all very clear. You don't have to be buddies. This, this We're not a bunch of like, you know, 
what, what's after millennial Gen Z or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. Like, you know, everyone doesn't have to be best friends to get the job done. That's not how the world works. It never has. It never will. But you have to have, I think, in with a with if you're going to preach collaboration, if you're going to preach cooperation, if you're going to preach the new Titans way, modernized analytics, all this other stuff that's new, then there better be some cohesion behind the scenes. So you, do I, you think that there's the collaboration buzzword is hollow and that one side is doing more than the other side? Or do you think that it's just right now they're still trying to figure out what that looks like? Because that is also a possibility. It, I think that's I think this, this is where I think there are questions. There might be perfectly legitimate answers to these questions. But I think the questions are basically, in a very broad sense, is the whole fucking thing running the way it's supposed to? That's what I want to know. And and again, the answer could be absolutely, they just don't have enough offensive linemen, and their quarterback kind of sucks, and they need some better corners. Like, the answer could absolutely just be the players, right? Um, but I, to your point about all the things that Vrabel has said over the last 18 months, all the things that Simmons is now saying multiple times in this year. And oh, by the way, they are two and 11 in their last 13 games. And Rand Carthon wasn't there for a good chunk of that. So right. that no, no question. to me, no question. there's, there is a overarching connection in all that, which makes me feel that Vrabel is on the wrong side of things. And I mean, I've, it sounds like you're saying that it's maybe more 50, 50 blame then maybe a lot of this should have to do with Mike Vrabel, who holds most of the power theoretically. Well, some some of the I'll, I'll just some of this is because we're going to spend so much time today, brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group, uh, talking about Tannehill and Will Levis and Malik Willis and the players that I wanted to kind of get the other stuff out of the way, like the the culture stuff that is so almost obviously apparent that Mike. I guess here's the here, here's what I would here's. Maybe this is a bad way to put it. The the biggest variable that has changed inside those walls is the general manager. Vrabel's culture probably hasn't changed. And if it was very good up until this point, I'm not putting all the blame on the culture of the coach. I'm saying that if the variable that's changed is the largest variable, which is the entire front office, I think it's okay to lump that into this group and into this conversation. Cause I do think it starts with the fucking quarterback and the offensive line and the secondary and the special teams coach. Like, I think it starts with the players, but I wanted to get, right. the, I wanted to but, get the culture the, question the, out of the, the way. GM first. is technically getting the players that the coach is wanting. Right. I mean, like I would hope so. That's, that's where it kind of falls on me. It's like everything I that we've so. seen, heard, the context clues of this whole thing is that Carthon is probably his voice is heard, but ultimately his voice means nothing. It's like a it's like a two dollar bill. It exists. Okay, this is perfect. This is perfect. Let me ask you what happens then in a human situation. Yeah, when you are that person, and in that situation you don't feel like your voice. What happens over time? You you probably you take a step back and say, well, if you don't, if you're not going to listen to me, it's kind of like when you're arguing with your wife and you bring <laughs> up the same stuff over and over. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. just sit there and listen instead of yeah. give advice because yeah. she never listens to your advice. And the same thing goes for uh, sure. any sure. significant other. It goes both ways. But I mean, like you you just sit there and you go, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. 
Yeah. Offer any advice. That's probably where they're at in this relationship or, and, and maybe that's not a good thing, but also what can you do if you don't have power to back you up? If you don't have the head honcho, because clearly the head honcho, Amy Adams drunk backs up the, the head coach, right? Like that is, that is established. So you could, you could say that, I guess what I, I guess what I'm getting at is like, yeah, if I was GM and I don't know what Rand Carthon is like personality wise, but if you're going to sit there and tell me over and over, no, 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 or yes, 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 or whatever you're going to do, I'm not going to shut up. I'm, well, gonna I'm, I'm the same way providing as you. you to do my job. I'm going to keep providing you the information because right. I'm going right. to protect myself because if you get fired, you ain't taking me down with you. Right. I don't know what's going on in that regard, but I understand I, what you're saying is that like, well, what good is a GM that can't stand on his own two feet, but it's hard to stand on your own two feet when you already right. have right. some of your, your land ripped out from underneath you. I, I think that's, I think that's all valid and, and, and smart. I think what's interesting is I do, and I've got more than enough information behind the scenes on this. I, and I think you would agree. I do believe that Mike Vrabel looks out for his people, mm-hmm. whether it's you know on field, off field, player, coach, whatever. We know this about Mike Vrabel. He he takes time and effort and energy to take interest and care about the people around him. I I I don't know how that works with whatever Rand Carthon is doing. We we just don't. I, my point is we don't know, and we don't know to. And this all goes back to who doesn't want to be there, and so it's. Is it the guys that just ran Carthon has brought in? Is it just Christian Fulton? Is it a combination of the two? Is it and the reason? And again, the reason I brought this up is because there, I think there is an inherent tension between Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel that existed from the second he was hired. And it's not anyone's fault other than like Amy Adams strunk, really. Well, and, and my thing is, if there's tension like that, could be good. Why hire? It could be good, but I mean, yeah. like, I mean, ultimately, that when there's tension like that already from the start, it never gets better. Why would you hire that guy? Did you just get turned down by the other GMs and was Rancar the the, the the last man standing? It makes you wonder because you know when John Robinson was hired, it was the opposite, right? Well, I'll come in and work with anybody. Well, you're working yeah. with Malarkey. Okay, I'll do it. And then they brought in Vrabel, and now it just seems like this this to me. This is all just fucking petty bullshit. If you want to win, learn how to fucking work together and be adults. And if the problem is, is that Mike Vrabel's pettiness has now made Rand Carthon petty. This is where I don't know. It's a bad marriage and someone has to, it's, they have to go to marriage counseling. There you go. They need to go to marriage counseling. This is where I want to be very clear. I do not think or know that that's what's happening. I don't know that it's petty this or petty that. I, 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 you sort of just hear like, Hey, are, are, is everyone doing the best job to, to work together as best they can? And, and some of this is new. It's people being in new situations and new roles. There's new, there's entirely new positions in the front office. Yeah. New structure, new structure. So like some of this is just maybe uh, natural uh, inherent growth and maturity and new mesh points or whatever the fuck cliche you want to use. And so I think that part is fair to just accept and work. It's kind of like the first few episodes of the Brady Bunch, right? You bring in your your parents sure. get married, and then you got these new stepsisters and our half sisters or sure. whatever. It is. 
sisters, sure. stepbrothers, you know, the coaching staff versus this other staff or the stepbrothers, stepsisters, and they're having a hard time figuring each other out. And as the season progresses, you know, as the episodes go on, they start defending each other from outside forces, you know, stuff like that. I, I think if I was, if I got Carthon off the record, like off to the side at, at camp, like you occasionally do, I think the question would be like, I'm trying to think of how I would word it to be open-ended. It would, it would be like, what do you think, how do you believe the role, your role in this organization can be maximized from an efficiency standpoint to help the football team win? And I know that's a lot of shit. That's a lot of words, but like, I'm trying to do it off the top of my head. It would just like, what makes your role successful in this building? And I would love to know off the record what he says. Not in front of cameras, not in coach speak, not in GM speak. I would like to know. Talk, talk about being a GM, Ram. Talk about it. Uh, that's that's what I would say. Um, all right. So I wanted to get to the. I, I, I want to get to the to the to the quarterback, Donnie. I can't. Uh, well, there'll be a time and a place. Okay, boys. There'll be a time and a place. Um, anyway, I want to get to the quarterback situation. And I want to know if it's complicated or not. I think it could be as comp as simple as this. If Ryan Tannehill is fully healthy, you play Ryan Tannehill and you try to win the division. If Ryan Tannehill is even going to miss a couple games or one game or three, just a tiny bit, it sounds like it's the same exact injury and the look on his face on, in London on Sunday wasn't very good at all. It looked like, oh, fuck, here we go again. And same kind of facial expression that Mike Vrabel was making. I don't think Malik Willis belongs in the conversation at all. At all. If Ryan Tannehill is not healthy, Will Levis should start at quarterback for the Tennessee Titans as soon as possible. Fully agree. I I am at this point. I For the Tennessee Titans, I'm at a, I'm in a different headspace. And, you know, I've had a... I've had a hard time verbalizing what I'm saying. Like, obviously, I do enjoy the Titans winning, but I've been having a hard time verbalizing what I'm trying to get across. Here's what I want to see, and I, I figured it out this week because I was, and I, I want to talk about because this ties into the quarterback situation. At the end of the year, at the end of this season, I want more answers than questions. I want to know answers on Mike Vrabel, Rand Carthon. I want more answers than questions. That does not mean that every question will be answered. Sure. I do not care about wins or losses any further. I want more answers than questions to guide us into the future, to let us know what is going to happen in the future with this team. That being said, because the reason it came up that way and the reason I came to that conclusion was because someone asked, well, what good is it if Will Levis starts and – you, they, they end up with a 500 record. Well, let me say this. Ryan Tannehill, and there is no 500 record, so it's 8 or 9 or 9 or 8, right? There's a big difference between Ryan Tannehill ending up with that 500 record and Will Levis ending up with that 500 record. How you get there. It, that would mean that he's either winning 6 and 5, he went 6 and 5 down the stretch, or 7 and 4 down the stretch, and to me... That means that he's done more good than bad, and you, yes, you are not in a great draft position, but that's maybe good enough to win the AFC South to get you in the playoffs, but it's also good enough to give you answers saying, okay, well, we can win with Will Levis. He looks really good. 
He's no worse or no better than Ryan Tannehill. He's much better than Malik Willis. We know what we got. We have him on three more years. Let's build around this guy. And if he's not the guy, then you have a team in place, theoretically, for the next guy. So to me, it's a no-brainer. It's a fireable offense at this point. If Mike Vrabel were to step up on the podium today, and he won't. He, he's It's uh, Monday, 3 o'clock p.m., and we're, of course, doing this at 1. He's not going to name a starter if even if Ryan Tannehill goes to IR or if Ryan Tannehill's already declared out for the Falcons game. He's not going to name a starter today. But if he names Malik Willis a starter, that's a fireable offense to me. Mm. I, I think it's ridiculous. We've seen enough from Malik Willis. He offers you nothing. And listen, Malik Willis is a great guy. And in a few years, maybe he, you know, seven or eight years, however long took Geno Smith, maybe he's on another team and he turns into the next Geno Smith. Sure. It's perfectly upset, acceptable. But his time in Tennessee is, is, is determined and done, in my opinion. And there is no reason to see any more Malik Willis as a starter unless someone else gets injured. Like, okay. that's just where I'm at. I agree. And I'm there too. And I want to address some of the concerns in the comments about like, well, but if, why is he the first one off the bench? Isn't that a giant red flag about Levis? The answer is no, because Willis in, in a short term situation might be the better option. There's a whole different thing when you are established as the starter, let's say hypothetically today, 13, 13 days away till your next game, 13 days of preparation, knowing you are the starter is different then coming off the bench in the fourth quarter. And listen, the 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 op, the opportunities that Malik Willis would traditionally find his way as quarterback two, as quarterback one, happened yesterday. One of them was injured. The other one is in a terrible blowout where they're getting their butt spanked, right? Which quarterback do you want to go in for the terrible blowout? Do you want Malik Willis to go in, or do you want Will Levis to go in? Like, you think of the Bills game last year. Sure. If that Bills game was recreated this year, do you want Malik Willis to go in and take a bunch of hits and look like shit? Or do you want to throw Will Levis in there? Will Levis was made quarterback three specifically for that reason. We talked about this uh, around the offseason when they were trimming down the final 53. Is that like, what would you do and what will they do? Yeah. And we, I, I think we both agreed you just throw in Levis no matter what. But what they are thinking is what we are seeing come out is that Will Levis is the mercy quarterback. We don't want him to have to go in. When it's a bad situation, that's exactly what it is. So, and and I I saw a couple of other people in the comments saying like, look, I don't want to be so negative about players. Like, look, that th this is not personal about Malik Willis. Mm -hmm. This is not about who he is as a person or as a man. It's not about the work ethic or what he's put into the job or not. It's like if you cannot throw a football in the NFL, you will not play quarterback. And the fact that the first words that Mike Vrabel said to Malik Willis coming off the field was essentially, you gotta throw the ball, dude. Like we are now 19 months. We're, we're, we're 19 months into Malik Willis being told the same thing. And don't even remember that. Like, I mean, don't forget that he, he wasted like five or 10 seconds and not go out of bounds and get tackled on the end. He didn't follow Aaron Brewer. He got, so he like, got lucky. His athleticism, he got lucky like his yeah. athleticism can't really shine through because he still makes bad decisions even when he's just simply running the football. Like he couldn't follow Aaron Brewer, who had the block on him, and instead, you know, tried to go yeah. up Tajay Spears' side. I, 
I don't think you like honestly. We it, it to me, it is almost a waste of our time. It is and a waste of your time, the Titans fans and audience. It's a waste dis- of the team's time, and they don't have time to waste. Bingo to discuss why Malik Willis isn't the starter. It it, it it just I don't know what else you need to see or know. And again, it is not personal. It is never personal. It is about performance. And There's the, a the performance ain't there. That's it. Yeah. That's and it. There, and let me say this. There's rumors circulating behind the scenes that this Diana Rossini thing isn't about one of the big names on the list that you would normally see uh, or you would think of. You know, she, well, tell, you know, everybody, said, tell, tell everybody the, the, about the whole thing. Yeah, I was getting there. She had said that uh, basically, I'm trying to find it, but she had said in The Athletic, in an article, that they would be buyers or sellers at the trade line. Like these teams would be buyer sellers at the trade line. And someone has put up a list of a bunch of your considered players, right? Like, you know, um, you know, Christian Fulton, Kevin Byer, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, all those guys. Okay. All those guys are on the list. All of them. Except for the, the, the thing is that the, the, it's a, the main player they want to move is a player that's not on the list. Now to me, Mm. The guy that's not would not be on the list would be someone like um, Andre Dillard. Offensive line injuries have came across all across the league. You know he's not great, but you sometimes people need offensive linemen, right? That's a hard that's a hard uh, one to believe, Zach. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just saying that you know that's when you get in bad situations. Sometimes, like, well, okay, Lane Johnson add- goes down with injury. Maybe <laughs> a Philadelphia Eagles reunion happens. Well, but let, let, me, let me let me let me let me get to my point. I know it's a long thing, but I'm just saying, to me, first person that comes to mind is Andre Dillon. Second one is Dylan Radins. The third one, for people not on the list, and the list included Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, Sierra Tart, Danico Autry, Aziz Alshayir, Sean Murphy Bunting, Christian Fulton, and Kevin Byard. So I thought, mm. offensive linemen. I also think that there's a good chance, with a lot of injuries, we're about to see Tyson Badgett versus Aiden O'Connell this weekend. A lot of quarterback injuries. I think that Malik Wills could be on the table for a team. So, all right. I First of all, if I'm the Tennessee Titans and someone calls to offer me anything. I, I'll, any, I'll trade any player except any for Any of those players. <laughs> I would do it. Um, here's my thing. Why, if you're Rossini, let's, let's, let's work backwards here. Yeah. Why would Rossini keep Andre Dillard's name off the list? I can't come up with a reason. I can she did see... not create the list. Someone else made the list, and the right. rumor now is that it's someone not on that list. So my question then is, why would someone not put X, Y, or Z player on there? Willis, I could because understand. Because they they're, they're a fan, and they didn't think of these other players. A fan put out the list after Diana Rossini's report suggesting here could be the targets. And now someone has come back and said, Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So when Rossini said that, that what she is referring to is not on that list. Interesting. Supposedly. Okay. So somebody, so a fan is reporting on Diana Rossini's report. No, <laughs> no, there's a third person in all this. Okay. All right. Well, here's okay. So let me, let me break it down. Diana, Diana puts out article, says something about trade fan copies and says something about a post tags are in it says there's a trade and says here could be possible things to open up discussion on Facebook like people are want to do. Now someone behind the scenes has came back into DMs to dispute this and say that 
not really dispute it, but to add on, while one of these players could be traded, the one that is being referenced around the Tennessee Titans is not a player on this list. Okay. I I mean, number one, I mean. Trade whoever you can. That's yeah, number, ultimately number one, trade at. everybody. No, number one, trade everybody. Um, And certainly how healthy is Tannehill could be a part of that. I mean, that's yeah, a huge. Yeah, that sucks. Because if he's injured, then you're just saddled with Ryan Tannehill. But if he's injured in, enough, so here's my thing. If he's injured but only out, maybe he's injured enough that you use that as a scapegoat to keep starting Will Levis and keep Ryan Tannehill as a backup mentor. And then Malik Willis is gone. Could be possible. Just say yeah. it. Just turn it and, out there. And, and this is true. Aving says this. We, we do know who Diana Rossini's source is. Um, it, it's Mike Vrabel. We know Ian Rappaport's source is is Rand Carthon. So, like, we, we kind of do know some of the the – the ties. Um, <laughs> Arjun says you hang up the phone. If they start asking for NWI, that's all I know. I agree. Yep. I agree. Un- untouchable, untouchable wide receiver one. Um, I look, I <laughs> Trey says this too. What in the world is the intrigue with Malik Willis? I agree. I don't think there's anybody that's interested. Uh, you, you have, I think to it's be- more of a desperation move on both parts. Like you're finding two, two desperate parties who that work together and they're like, yeah. Maybe I can make Malik Willis work for a, a conditional six round pick. Like, is that yeah. really that much to give up? You know, no, what I'm but I think team I, that needs a quarterback. I think this is where the ankle for Tannehill is far more important. Cause like if, if you're, if I'm another team, I'm asking about Tannehill. That's who I want. Uh, if it's, if it's possible, if it's possible. Uh, so in anyway, I, I think it's pretty clear. I guess here's the, I guess I, the more complicated question that I want you to answer is what if Tannehill's, okay after let's say he misses one game he needs to he, he missed two weeks last year right and then got hurt again and then missed the rest of the season after the surgery but he missed two games and he came back and tried to gut it out let's say hypothetically it's not as bad of an injury and the bye week happens they play one more game and then he can come back after that and he's supposedly healthy i think the more complicated question is do you make a switch to answer the question which i agree with you is the goal from now on find answers to questions that's a great way to put it. If ha- if Tannehill is healthy, do you make the switch to Will Levis anyway to answer questions about the future? I think that's a co- more complicated question. Yeah, it's a complicated question. I do. I don't know if the Titans do. That that's the problem is that what they should do, they never they hardly rarely do what they should do. Right? That's that's great. the issue that you have with Mike Vrabel is that he does what he wants to do and what he thinks is best without any objectivity or objective data at his disposal. Like he doesn't, I, I just feel like he doesn't look at anything other than this is what I like. This is what I think works this is what I think wins. This is what we're doing. And more often than not, it has worked. However, it is not working right now. So things have got to switch up. So in my, my mind, if if Will Levis can get you, he, he there's so much riding around Will Levis right now, right? Uh-huh. There, the, there's Will Levis, the future of the franchise. There's Will Levis, what you can do in free agency, what you can do in the draft. My my thing is is that if Will Levis is who he thought you were, I know what, what you mean. What is who he you thought he was? There you go. Right, like. You tr- you you thought he was a first round pick. You thought he was worth the eleventh round, uh, the eleventh overall pick. 
you wanted to go and trade up for him in the back half of the round, uh, first round. Nobody would trade with him. If that's who you think he is, stop delaying the inevitable. Yeah. And I get that you may want to do that just because you think that Ryan Tannehill gives you the best chance. But I think we've seen right now that he may give you the best chance. There's a good chance that Will Levis, if you look around a lot of the rookies around the league, there's a good chance that Will Levis can come in and do just what he does, but give you a different element of the game. And what if you still win games? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't see the, 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 the real holdup here. I've never thought the holdup. I always thought that they should have already already traded Ryan Tannehill. And to me, a lot of people are like, well, you could, you know, they should have signed Jake Brisket, let him be a uh, a uh, bridge quarterback. You could have done, um, you know, Tyrod Taylor or any of these guys, and they could have been a bridge quarterback. To me, you should have started Will Levis. Whoever you were, you should have got rid of Ryan Tannehill already before the draft, and then you should have drafted your quarterback of the future and played him for specifically for the people who think that Will Levis's confidence is going to get destroyed. We've You're said not quarter- this numerous times on the show. You if ain't QB1, destroyed. Dog. If it gets destroyed, then he ain't the one anyway, so you know now. But to be honest, this team isn't any worse than what he dealt with at Kentucky. So well, that's <laughs> that might be true. So so I like I we can't rehash the should they have traded him in the offseason because I agree with you. We've talked about it. We've kind of covered it. The question is right now, there's there's to me this is going to sound fucking nuts it is win 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 for the titans if he is healthy you trade him you take your fifth round pick whatever you didn't have one in the first place you trade him if he is not healthy you know god bless the work you did for the organization we appreciate you etc etc he certainly looked like a guy that might have played his last snap in a titans uniform after the game you know the memories are there forever etc 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 whatever then, but then you know the change is happening. And through both of those processes, you find answers to the question that is the most important, number one question for the future of the franchise. And to all of y'all in the comments section, what is it I'm tuning in for? What are you selling as an organization to your fans? The future, hope, optimism. If you want all of that and answers to questions, it is about number eight. Number eight needs to take snaps at quarterback. If you are trying to look, look, Jackson, Trevor Lawrence had the got his leg all twisted at the end of the game in a play that I don't understand why they called it at the end of a game that you had in complete control. It was a dirt, it was kind of a dirty play, but like there's no reason for Trevor Lawrence to be running that play. Yes, they're two games up. Yes, they're four and two for the first time, two games over 500 for the first time in like 87 games. But like the division is still, still able to be won. But here's my final argument for Levis in this situation. And I've been saying it all season. It's not any different from kind of how I've evaluated Ryan Tannehill's entire career. 53% touchdown rate on scripted drives, number one in the NFL. That's Tim Kelly. That's Ryan Tannehill. That's being comfortable in what the offense is doing. That's going out and executing the plan. 13% touchdown drives on non-scripted, 29th in the NFL. You can blame a lot of things on that. I think that starts with the quarterback. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is good enough to be a modernized NFL quarterback in a modernized NFL offense where you have to make plays outside of the confines of the script, outside of the confines of the scheme. You have to be in control pre-snap. You cannot predetermine throws and reads. You've got to see the game on a four-dimensional level. Do I know if Will Levis can do that? Fuck no. No clue. I have no clue. But we need an answer 
to if he if he's if he's got it. And I don't know. To your point, I don't know if they are going to lose more games with Will Levis running the offense than they would with Ryan Tannehill. Is yeah. Ryan Tannehill the reason they're two and four? No. He's not the top reason. It's the offensive line. It's the secondary. It's injury. You could say a lot of things, but he's a part of the problem. He's he, a part he was, of the problem. He was, th- there have been six touchdowns left on the board, right? So we know that Tim Kelly is not really part of the problem, though, and I'll be writing about this this week, and I kind of alluded to it on Stack in the Inbox, was like how they use Ty J. Spears and Derrick Henry baffles the mind yesterday. Uh, and it has nothing to do with snap count. It's what they did with those snaps. But that's neither here nor there. We we, yep. we can't really get into it. But there's at least six touchdowns left on the board. Ryan Tannehill left three himself, possibly four, in the Saints game alone. He left one on the field last week. So to me, it's like, and let me say something. From the um, second week two to week five, I don't put any blame on Ryan Tannehill, or at least I put the the blame, he's way down the blame list. Week one, he's solely to blame. And then I will say this. Yesterday, I've seen people say that he didn't play that bad of a game and he wasn't the reason he lost. I thought he played terrible in that first half. I thought he looked lost. He looked sluggish. I thought that he looked terrible. Now, listen, Vrabels and Amy Adam Strunk, whoever made the final decision to go on Friday, this is what I expected. Like, that first half is exactly what I expected. And listen, when NPF got put in for Andre Dillard, they looked better on offense. They looked a little bit more efficient, looked like they were flowing a little bit better. Could just be happenstance, but seemed that really kicked something in, in into a second game. And he, and he played more snaps. And he played more snaps. So. But I don't think that, to me, I don't think that Ryan Tannehill played good at all outside of the lost touchdown to... NWI, who your boy should have caught that. I, I know, I know. Yeah, but I don't think he played very well yesterday. And at this point, no, he didn't. I would just rather just if if we're not going to have consistent quarterback play, give me someone new. That's where I'm at. I agree. I, I would also, I think, I would argue that first half was like I know the Colts kind of lined up and punched him in the face. I know the offense was really ugly against the Saints. Like, I, I know that the game against Cleveland was bad, but, like, I, I'm going to be honest. Watching the first half against Baltimore, it felt like every single thing they were beaten on. Mm-hmm. Like, special teams was atrocious. And, I like, we can blame Kyle Phillips for trying to field the punt. He should be coached not to field the fucking punt. And it kind of sounds coach. like he was coached, but we'll see. Maybe not. But that that's then, – then he didn't drill it into the guy's head enough. And then it's Phillips' fault, too. Like, no, no question. MPF had some penalties. It's his first action of the entire season. Fine. It's unacceptable. You got to get those out of your game. But the offensive line did look better, and there's a reason they left him in the rest of the game, and he played more snaps than Andre Dillard because Andre Dillard is not good at playing football. So, like, I – but, like, the defense giving up X plays, special teams giving up X plays, the offense – and I know this is the most simplistic way to put it, but it is 2023. You cannot throw two touchdown passes – in six games, lose four times and be considered one of the better quarterbacks. You just can't. It's I know that's oversimplifying it, but you just can't throw two fucking touchdowns and six interceptions and be called part of the solution. You're you're just not. And so and look, if Will Levis is as bad as time. what every University of Tennessee fan wants to claim and what I have claimed as well, 
if if Will Levis is bad, then it's better to find out through give him eleven games, right? Like what's it's the a lot of time giving him eleven games to figure a, out? Like that's idea. I think Paul Karski uh, tweeted it, but he said I you can't get um you can't get a good read even if he were to be named the starter starting with 11 games. And I'm thinking, yeah, you can. Um, there's no doubt about it. I think the idea that the Titans will have a verdict on Will Levis this season, no matter how much he may play, is misplaced. If he plays 11 games and he looks like Malik Willis, I could guarantee you that both Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel are, are looking at it going, yeah, this guy ain't it. Uh, yes, uh, Stoney, yes. That, that is the dog is, uh, uh, speaking. Uh, I, listen, you may not, I think it's fair to say you don't have the final verdict, but I think you can collect a lot of data. It's a lot it's better to have that data than no data. Yep. And it's yep. better to have more answers than questions. That is, yep. that should be the goal for every Tennessee Titans fan in 2023. That when this season concludes, it's not about the wins and losses. It's about, do you have more answers than questions heading into 2024? And I, I think it is important to reiterate your point about Levis it's and I think one of our commenters and I forget maybe it was AVing I can't remember I apologize who said if Levis hits and clearly shows that he's the guy which I, I think I need to caution folks is probably not going to happen but you never know you yeah. never know uh if that does happen everything else falls away everything else you solve down the road because you've solved the biggest problem for the next 10 years of the franchise that is what you have to gain from all of this and you well, have you, nothing to lose. Yeah, you're right back where you were last year trying to find a quarterback, and which is, again, a big problem. But I, 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 I want to ask you one, one final thing about fixing things on the team. Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group, um, all, the, all the great listeners and commenters, and we, we do appreciate you guys. I, I'm curious if you think it is harder, if the rest of this roster was good and the rest of this, the problems were solved, it's certainly easier to, to, to break Will Levis in. But is it? But if he's not the answer, Mike. Mike, I guess my roundabout way of asking this: Is it easier to solve just the quarterback problem, or is it easier to solve all the other shit, like that that builds and is a lot more than one roster spot? Uh, I think it's easier to to build around quarterbacks. Okay, I think that's a much easier thing to do, but. Because he covers up it's a lot of the problems. fucking pointless. If you do not have the guy, and it may be difficult to find the guy, but you're going to have to keep swinging until you find... You should... I know people think it's crazy, and I kind of thought it was crazy the first time he said it, which was a, a couple of years ago, but there's a guy on, on X called Superhorn who puts out these great film breakdowns every week. But he's And he's in a group chat of ours and everything, and he talks about... Every year you should draft a quarterback until you actually have one. And then you should draft a quarterback that is the next quarterback until you find who your future quarterback just is for that going. quarterback. You just keep you every every year draft a quarterback. And in my mind, I get that you're using high draft picks on it, but until you have the quarterback, it really truly doesn't matter. And there are different degrees, right? Like Jalen Hurts is not elite, but Jalen Hurts has proven that you can get to the Super Bowl even when he's not elite if he's not an elite quarterback, right? Like right now it's Patrick Mahomes is the elite quarterback with Joe Burrow right underneath him and probably Justin Herbert right underneath him and Josh Allen kind of right there in a tier. Then there's another tier right they, now. The Titans are like in tier 20. Yeah. They need to get up to tier six, 
right? If they got up to tier six, you'd feel a lot better about this team and you could continue to see if maybe, okay, maybe he's not the elite quarterback, but maybe he's Eli Manning or Joe Flacco. Um, yes, I like, for, first of all, my first thought is good thing. Joe Burrow had one leg in that game. <laughs> yeah. Um, second, secondly, I, I, I agree. And I think it is easier to, to fix the roster around the quarterback. Cause a, it's harder to find the one guy who's got it, but the guy who's got it then covers up a lot of the problems at receiver, for example. And there are some young pieces on this team that you can start to build around. Theoretically, if Will Levis is the guy, I, I think the more, the more, you know, um, terrifying conversation is that we do find out an answer to the Will Levis question. It, it just ain't the answer everybody wants. Well, and and that's fine. And to that's me, very possible. That's fine because right now you're sitting at two wins. If he ain't getting you to that 500, and he's only getting you three more wins, and you're five five wins, you still get a good quarterback in the top five, right? I mean, like probably. I mean, that's still a good quarterback because you got at least the Bears are probably going to go Caleb Williams and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. So there's two picks right there, and there's still plenty of quarterbacks to choose from. And there's probably going to be a quarterback in the t- uh, uh, team Great. in the top five that doesn't need a quarterback. All right. Like mark the Panthers. The, let me mark the team. Let me mark the tape right now. Uh, Drake May will be the number one quarterback off the board. Uh, I, I, I think Michael Penix gets hurt too much. Stoney. I know you got. I know you love him, but I think he gets hurt too much, and I think he falls away on his throws a little too much. We're not into scouting just yet. I don't think Bo Nix is there uh, out of Oregon, and uh, I think Caleb Williams will be a top five pick. I Drake May is the guy. Drake Drake May is the one I w- I would want if I'm a Titans fan, and you might have to get to number one to get Drake May. I don't know about the other guys. I don't know. I just think that like if Will Levis loses and you just keep on losing. It's probably going to end up being a good thing in yeah. the end. Because yeah. what if that means that Vrabel's fired and then you get Ben Johnson and maybe Ben Johnson turns into the next Sean McVay and he gets to draft whoever, whatever quarterback he thinks fits the the Jared Goff mold or whatever he's missing in Jared Goff to take his an offense over the edge. I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen if Will Levis is not the guy that's beneficial for the long-term health of this team. And, and that's just kind of where I'm at. It's like, Either the long-term health is Will Levis is the guy, and that's a great thing, or he's not the guy, and it's still a great thing. Well, it's like a, it's, it's just it's great a good way. thing. It's a good thing that we know that it's a bad thing for the football team. It's a bad. But it's well, a, I mean, but it's a good again, thing that we know. It's it. Losses don't matter. They just do not matter this year. Uh, Stony, I have been told by someone who was at the Elite Eleven camp that nobody likes Michael Penix. That's all I'm going to say. That's your Easter egg at the end of the show. Uh, like personally, like they don't like the guy. He's not a nice guy, uh, but that may not matter. A lot of bad guys have been very successful at a lot of things in this world. Hey, so listen, Tennessee we'll Titans have only had nice guys come through here. Marcus, Jake, Ryan Jake Locker, uh, Malik Willis, Jake Locker. I think we could use some mean guys. Oh, Vince. What does Vince Young count as? An idiot. <laughs> uh, but he's you know, all, you he's know, always been a nice guy to me. You know who would love uh, Singer's beverages? Vince Young. He yeah, loves yeah, Singer's he beverages. Would. Sinker's Beverages, of course, in East Nashville, sister store Bluegrass in Hendersonville, uh, two locally owned and operated liquor stores here owned by the same company. They are awesome guys. They take care of you. Um, great selection, great bourbon selection, great help on picking out wine like I need. Huge beer fridge, great place to go in. Sign up for the in-crowd. You can also Uber Eats and just have the booze delivered directly to your house. So just search Sinker's Beverages, and they'll deliver the booze right to your house, Zach. They'll drive so you can drink. Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious. 
You have two weeks to prepare. You have an injured quarterback. You might be getting an offensive line with a better piece in MPF. You might be getting healthier in the receiving situation. Your schedule is lightening up. It all makes sense to answer questions about Will Levis. That's it. To me, that is time to put him in. To me, it's the perfect time. Uh, It's unfortunate that Tannehill's situation ended maybe the way it has, if that's what's going to happen. But this life ain't fair, as my mama taught me. And uh, things move on. The world's got to keep going. It keeps spinning. So uh, make sure you check out football and other F-words, stackintheinbox.com, all the other great shows across the 440 Sports Network. We will talk to you on Thursday. Thank you guys all for commenting. For Zach, I am Braden. Have a good one, everybody.